Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's a victory edition of Spits and Suds. Welcome, hockey fans. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. Great to talk to you today. Joined by my co-host, two-time Stanley Cup champion, all-around good dude. He's Luds. He's Craig Ludwig. I should have had the song ready again. You know how many people, I was Craig, wondering if we, I was wondering if we're coming in with the song. You know how many people said, hey, can you keep playing the song? I got well, good I feedback know. on oh it. God. Yeah, those those people are bartenders. <laughs> you know, maybe so. May, may, maybe so. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, great win last night. Two to nothing up in uh, Winnipeg. Um, I wanted to start by asking you because I feel as though, and they're going to obviously see each other again, but sometimes teams will come to town and I say, ooh, tough matchup for the Stars. And... Winnipeg used to be one of those teams. I think that we've flipped the script, and I think the Stars are now a bad matchup for the Jets. Well, I, I would say that the Stars are becoming a bad matchup for a lot of teams. True, good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I don't think it's as I don't think the Jets really expected. Um, well, internally they always do, but. From the outside, I, I think there's a lot of surprise to the Winnipeg team this year. You know, being in the, I think they're still in the top three. You know, I mean, I, I look at yeah. playoff, I, I look at the wild card stuff, but um, you know, I don't think there was a lot of people. I mean, but what they did is what Chevy did, what Chevel Dayoff did there, their their general manager in Winnipeg. I mean, there was a big question mark about Shifley and and Hellebuck. You know, kind of their two linchpins of the team, and um, you know, Hellebuck has been you know banging on the door for. Uh, for a few years, you know, as far as being one of the top, you know, three to five goalies in the league. And so they found a way to get those two guys locked up. And I think it was actually a surprise because I think they felt that um, one, if not both of those guys may be gone this year or last, last year in the summer. And, and so their general manager found a way to lock them up. I think they got identical deals. I mean, dollar amount and term and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you know, and then, you know, with the whole, with Bones, with Bonus, mm-hmm. and, you know, he was going through a situation with his wife, and so Bones was back. He probably had this this game circled on the calendar saying, baby, I hope you're good enough, uh, you know, from what she was dealing with, because I may be on the bench for this game. So, unfortunately for Rick, it, it probably didn't go the way he wanted it to, but... But I think when a team, Winnipeg has been a team this year that that's surprised a lot of people. Yeah, you know, scoring a lot and, more goals than they usually do too. Well, they've got a guy that's been banging on the door every year. Uh, you know, Kyle Connor is is a number eighty one for him. Is a Special. goal scorer. I mean, he flies out there and he gets a lot of shots. He gets them away. Um, 
there was a lot of talk, I think, the last couple of weeks that, you know, he could be the guy this year, the 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 dark horse to win the Rocket. I don't see that happen. I, and not because he can't score. It's just about your supporting cast a lot of times. So, um, but anyway, you know, it was, it was one of those kind of games. It was just low scoring back and forth. Dallas, you know, Dallas had a, you know, they came out good and they controlled a lot. And then Winnipeg kind of, you know, pushed back. And um, so, you know, and, and again, the, the Pavelski and, you know, guys like that do their thing. And um, so you know, timely goals, I think last night, but I, but again, I, I go back, I, you know, not just because of the way the, the, the score finished last night, but, but Ottinger was good again when he needed to be good. Otter was good. Really good. Yeah. He had, he had great positioning. I love how he was coming out and attacking the puck. Uh, Winnipeg had some really good chances and he shut down um, the jets on all, all night, two to nothing final. Um, I did notice early, Craig, um, and kudos to the Stars defenseman, but the ability to get out of the zone so quick, and I just felt as though, even though Winnipeg really had a solid chance early, I felt as though the Stars didn't really receive a lot of pressure because Winnipeg was exhausted getting out of their own zone because the Stars, I thought, did a really good job pinching, forechecking, and just putting a lot of pressure, even though they didn't score in that first period, there was a lot of pressure in the Winnipeg zone. Yeah, you know, and I think you'd ideally like to have that all the time when you're on the road. I mean, and, and Winnipeg's, you know, they're known for their fan base, and they've got a pretty good group. And it seems like every year they always find, or every game, they try to find somebody to boo. And they, I didn't I didn't hear that last night. But um, I think anytime you want to go into an opposing building, you want to try to wrestle the momentum away from the – the home team as quick as you can. And it starts with the drop of the puck. And if, you know, the, the, the turnovers in, in the neutral zone, the turnovers in your own zone, trying to exit their momentum killers. And, and I think if you can flip the script, which they did, and like you said, they exit, they don't try to do too much coming through the neutral zone and they got on them. I mean, pucks were going in deep and, and there was a hard forecheck to start. And, you know, and so you, you kind of look at it, at, you know, if you're in that situation, if you're Winnipeg, you're like, man, we're, we're spending a lot of time in our end and we're back on our heels. And, and it keeps the, it keeps the fans, you know, they're, they're sitting on their hands. They don't have a lot to cheer about. And and so you kind of build momentum that way that the crowd doesn't get in it to the, the guys that are controlling the music, don't get into it. And, and, you know, as you're sitting there as a visitor and you're going, this is exactly where and how we want to start a hockey game is to be able to, you know, push on them and, and let them spend a little bit more time in their own zone than they want to. And then by doing that, they don't create those, you know, those opportunities, um, you know, at the other end of the rink. And and when they do, like I said, they, there's a guy like Andre that, that seems to make it difficult. And, and really what he does sometimes, he makes the saves look easy. I mean, he yes. really makes them look easy at times. So um, I know Ehlers had a couple, I, I, I love that Ehlers, um, number 27, oh, yeah. but he, I mean, he dances around and he had a couple, you know, opportunities and, and Jake just kind of comes out, cuts the angle down. And I know he made one big glove save on him and, but, but he makes it look easy. And I, I, it, it, you know, it's, it's depressing for, for, for the home team. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. All right. This uh, next July, Joe Pavelski turns 40, currently 39 years old. We have a unique perspective here on spits and suds because Craig ended his career at age 39, after playing, was it 16 or 17 years in the NHL? 17. 17. 
That's hell of impressive, first of all. I know you don't like to talk about it, but 17 years in the NHL is tremendous. So take us through your body. And I know it's different times, nutrition, all that stuff. But your body at 39, when you finally said, okay, I I think that's enough. And what you see out of Joe Pavelski, because it's not like he, and I'll use Patrick Sharp as an example. As Patrick Sharp got older, you know, he was still good, but you could, you know, see the regression, not the same player that first came up. And that's obviously common. However, Joe Pavelski is not only maintaining, I think there's an argument that he's actually better. It is amazing to watch. Yeah. And it's funny you use Sharpie. I mean, did, were you trying to get a, a reference to Chicago in there by any chance? You know, on... <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> he'd be a good room guy for a team. I know. I just don't know if a team will uh, touch Mr. Perry right now, sir. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I didn't know if you wanted to stir this pot stir the pot. I mean, it's all, <laughs> if you know anything about hockey, it's all Chicago now and it's not because of their winning. But I, anyway, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't believe how many text messages I've got. What do you know? What do you know? And I'm like, dude, what do I know? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so <clears throat> nobody knows. We, we think we know, but we don't know. But um, you, you know what I, I think? And I've said this many times about Joel. And, and I don't, is Joe really gotten any slower? I mean, I don't think Joe's ever going right. to self-admittedly, he's not going to say he was ever one of the top 40 fastest guys in the league. Yeah. He played the game from the neck up and it, it, his hockey IQ was incredible. And he, and you have to give credit to, and I think it makes it look maybe that Joe is maybe getting faster or as fast as he was five or six years, years ago because of who's he, who he plays with. And I'm not talking so much about Jason Robertson. I'm talking about hints. I mean, what, like I said, what, what hints does regardless of who he plays with is his speed backs people off. And, and all that does is creates more passing lanes. It creates more ice because as a defenseman, even as a pair you see him coming and, and winding up at his own blue line. And by the time he gets to the, to the center line, you know, he's at top speed and, and it's scary. I mean, look at Connor McDavid, what he does with, with guys that he plays against when he's healthy. I mean, so what happens is he creates a lot of space for Robertson and for Joe and Joe was such a, a cerebral player. You watch that. Yes. Joe makes tape to tape passes, but watch how many times he puts pucks into areas and he knows where Robo is going to be. And he knows that he has to lead even hints a little bit more. And he allows those guys to skate into those, those passes. And a lot of times it's in, it's through the seams or it may be a little chip behind a defenseman. And then as you play against that, that opens up even more because now you're going, okay, when this dude gets the puck, he wants to put it behind me. And I got somebody coming at me at Mach 1, and so now you have to back off a little bit because if you don't, you know, it turns into a, to a, a mini breakaway. So, like I said, I, Joe is just such a, a smart player, and when it comes to your body, as you started the question, you know, when you're at, you know, in your late 30s and you're playing, there's a big difference here between, between the way, you know, we take care of ourselves then and the way they take care of their, you know, their selves now. Joe has always been a, a guy, I believe, that takes care of his body and does the right things and eats the right things and, more importantly, probably drinks the right things. And and I think he's, you know, he's in 
you know, as, as relatively great shape as you can be for, for a guy that's played in the league as long as he has. And he's had some, he's had some serious injuries, you know, that he's overcome, you know, whether it be concussions or, you know, jaw or whatever it may be. So he approaches the game as a true professional. Uh, and I think all the great players in the league, they, you know, they take their craft seriously. And I, I, and again, I go back to Wyatt Johnston. Uh, there's a reason, um, you know, that the organization wanted Wyatt to, to hang around a guy like Joe, um, just because those kind of things are going to rub off. And you're going to be talking about Joe Pavelski when he's done. And I do truly believe, and again, I said this before also, that, you know, if it were me, Joe would be in the organization whenever he decides to hang it up. He's so good for the young guys. He's such a class act. Um, and he's a guy that goes about his business the way you'd want the rest of your players, especially your young players. So, um, you know, and, and again, the, the, you know, I think when you get to that age and in and, and Joe's case, obviously you're starting to hear the talk about is he or isn't he a hall of famer, you know, and we've talked about this also. I mean, does he have the major awards? They seem to think about that, but you know, he'll be a borderline guy probably. I mean, he, he's scratching the surface of uh, at 500 goals or, um, you know, and I'm sure he's eyeing those, you know, yeah. those benchmarks. From yeah, absolutely. What'll also be interesting uh, when we talk about Hall of Fame, because I, I agree, I don't think he's a surefire Hall of Famer right now, as weird as that sounds, but clearly these seasons are certainly adding up to a Hall of Fame career. Um, there mm-hmm. are some names that I feel have to get in as well, but, and we've talked about that on this podcast, but 13 seasons with the Sharks, if he comes back, it's six seasons with Dallas. So it's a heck of a heck of a career in uh, in Dallas. And so if he does go in the hall, I mean, I do think you have to retire his number just like San Jose will retire his number because that's a lot of seasons with one team. Yeah, you, you're talking about in San Jose, right? Or are you well, talking I'm about saying in Dallas? San Jose? But there's nothing wrong with you know. I mean, it, it's a it's an old argument, but there's nothing wrong with you know retiring a number in two spots. Yeah, I, I, again, we've talked about other guys about this. I, I don't know. I don't know what the criteria is. And I, I just, I mean, you kind of open up a can, don't you? I mean, all of a sudden you start getting guys that have played for, you know, five, six years and they're great players. You were like, I don't know if, is Yager getting his jersey retired in nine different buildings? I don't, you know, I don't think so. I mean, he played a long time, obviously, in Pittsburgh, but is that going to be the only place? Again, I know we're talking about Yager versus, we're, I mean, when you look at numbers, you know, and Yager's still playing for God's sake, he's 55 or whatever he is. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know that, you know, I, I just think that I think when I think about the jerseys being retired, I immediately go to Chelly. I go to Chelios. And, you know, there's a guy that played. 25 26 whatever he played and you know to to have his jersey in the chicago stadium i think chelly played there nine ten years you know and, and you know it, and he's a hall of famer so i i get that but but do you start putting up jerseys in buildings what regardless if they're hall of famers or not um i guess you can you can do whatever you want you know so yeah I don't know. I, I don't know. Again, I'm not sure what the criteria should be and, and how do you even decide that kind of stuff. So, um, but apparently you're going to be at the front door banging it and wondering I why will. it's not hanging the stand. But you know, I mean, I thought you were going to come on today and say, wow, Gavin, that's amazing that you finally got that statue of Mike Madonna you've been banging for. Well, you know, I mean, that that's, isn't that kind of a no brainer? I mean, it, it's just, you would think, you know, 
you would think. And for me, I mean, it, I, I wish he was, I wish personally he was still with the Dallas stars, Yeah, but he's not, yeah. um, you know, so I hope but, they choose but, the cup like statue, by the way, of him raising the cup for the reason, because I think it benefits you and it benefits the rest of your teammates that when people say, who's that daddy, or let me tell you about this statue, the 99 cup team will be talked about. This is my yeah, personal opinion. I don't know. Yeah, but possibly, uh, you know, but, yeah. but I, I mean, listen, we're talking about Mike Badano here, you know, it's appropriate that Dirk and, and more of the statues out there, but um, yeah, you know, yeah, we're apples and oranges for me. I no, mean, Mo, I get it. And I guess it makes it, you know, a little biased for me because, you know, playing with Mike and things like that, never played with Joe. Um, but, but, you know, I, you know, there's, there's some names. I just, I go back to how do you, how do you really pick and choose? And then if you take, and I don't mean to call anybody a borderline guy um, to hang their jerseys or whatever it may be, that you kind of open the door to all the other things, you know, all the other players that, you know, you're kind of, well, if he's in, then he should be in, then yeah. he should be in. And, and, and not, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that either, I guess. I mean, isn't the Boston Celtics, don't they, isn't their whole building lined with jerseys? It is. It is. Yeah. 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 Uh, absolutely. Cer- certainly a lot yeah. of them. And, and the name that we've discussed on the program, um, personally, uh, I don't think Joe Pavelski should get in unless Rod Brindamore is in. That's my opinion. Yeah, well, Brenda Moore and Verbeek. I mean, yeah, there's a Verbeek's couple. Another one too. Yeah, I I don't know who the who they were talking about. I don't know who went in. Who went in last time here? Just recently. Who, who uh, were the guys? Henrik Lundqvist. It was all goalies, right? Yeah, it was all goalies that went in. Um, but there wasn't there somebody else. Was there, was there a player that went in? Uh, a skater, I should say. Uh, Not a goalie. I don't remember. Well, anyway, yeah, but they were throwing numbers around, and I'm like, well, geez, wait a second. I mean, Patrick Beek has got more goals than this guy. You know, we never hear his name mentioned. So the only time we hear it is on the Spits and Suds broadcast, apparently. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, that's how we got the statue, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> has Mo sent you a thank you card or no? Not yet. But no. I'll ask you to have him send me one. That would make my day. Well, I'll reach out as soon as we get done here. Man, you're such a good dude. I yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. Hey, um, how come we're not how come we're not talking? I mean, you, you talk you bring up Joe and yeah. I'm talking about Hanson Robo. Why are we not talking about Marchment, Duchesne? Oh yeah. I mean, we certainly have, and we can have that discussion because similar to you recalling um Mr. Gavin Spittle talking about Radic Foxa, which I have since said um, I'm very pleased with his play. Um, I still don't like the contract, but I got to get off that contract thinking and think of the player. And I was the same way with Mason Marchment. And I think it starts with Matt Duchesne, Lutz. I mean, I you cannot break them up. I, I just think. That is a line that's really effective right now. I mean, terrific saucer pass last night. He's getting opportunities. He's drawing penalties. Um, he's doing a lot. He's the Mason Marchman that the Stars, you know, were thinking of when they went out and got him. Well, who who was thinking about breaking him up? I'm just saying, you know, today's NHL, and when a couple games go wrong, all of a sudden we see different lines. 
And, you know, well, kudos all, to Pete DeBoer. I also know if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, he has not done Pete DeBoer, and obviously they're winning, but Pete DeBoer has been really good since coming to Dallas about, you know, keeping some continuity in the lines. And, I mean, you remember under Bonus and Montgomery, they were switching lines all the time. So, uh, yeah, I I just want Matt Duchesne to stay with Mason Marchment because I think he's making Mason Marchment the player that the Stars paid for. Well, personally, I think they're the best. They're the best line. Yes, I mean we can talk about, you know, that that top line. I think these are this is the top line. Even even from when you look at, yeah, you look at everything. I mean, Duchesne. Let's see, Duchesne is six, twelve. Marchman is five. That's that's what plus seventeen. That's a plus seventeen as a line. Mm-hmm. Joe Pavelski is at is even. Jason Robertson is minus one. And Rupe Hintz is plus two. That's a plus one. Yeah. So when you want to talk about a line that that is doing it at both ends of the rink, um, and the way they, I think the, like they'd all want to, the where the reason that they're doing it at both ends of the rink is they're not spending a lot of time in their own zone. You know, they're finding ways to exit the zone, and and you know, Duchesne's been excellent, and and there you can tell there's a chemistry between Duchesne and. Well, there's chemistry between all of them, but I mean, really, Tyler and and Duchesne, I think, are are really on the same page. We know they're friends and all that other kind of stuff. But you're right with with Marchman. I mean, Marchman now is going. I'm playing with two elite players, you know, and and they're not they're not in their early twenties. You know, that's the impressive part. Is Duchesne and and both Tyler, you know, aren't, aren't uh, spring you know spring chickens or whatever you call them. So. But they sure you wouldn't know it by the way they're playing, and that line is. I just think that, you know, DeBoer is going. Yeah, we got the, you know, we got the Pavelski, Robertson, Hints, and they've been doing it since they've been together and stuff like that. But, man, you got a you got a one two punch, and I'm not even sure who number one is, and it doesn't really matter. But um, but they're dangerous all the time on the power play. That's for sure. You know, so I mean, you look at them. Those three guys are, and I don't have it in front of me, but those three guys are. Uh, you know, one, two, and three in scoring, mm-hmm. um, you know, but how, what's the percentage of points coming from the power play and, you know, versus the other one, but I don't, I don't think it really matters. I mean, the point is, is that they've got, they've got two lines that are, that are rolling. And then you, you know, then you go ahead and, you know, the Donov seems to be kind of get snake bit. I mean, he's out of, he's out of minus eight. You know, I always kind of look at the other end of the rink and, and a lot of that isn't always just an individual stat, but um, but I just when you look at the numbers from the Duchesne line, I mean they're pretty damn good. Yeah, a- absolutely, absolutely. Kind of time. And you know, I know you, Craig. You're going to say, "Hey, don't worry about it." And this is a June conversation, but for Stars fans saying, "Wow, we need Matt Duchesne to stick around uh, next year because he is an uh, unrestricted free agent, and teams will be looking at this season and saying, "Wow." Um, this is a Matt Duchesne we want on our team. The only unrestricted free agents, as far as money, that because they're tight against the cap right now, you have Pavelski up, which obviously we want to re-sign. You have Craig Smith up. He's had a good year. He's only at a million dollars. And you have Hockenpah up. So, you know, those restricted, you have Delandria, and you have Sam Steele. So you don't necessarily have to keep those guys around, but – you might have to find some money, and that might mean a buyout of a player um, to keep Matt Duchesne, similar to what Nashville did with Matt Duchesne around. So 
Don't want to get into a deep dive because let's just enjoy the Matt Duchesne that's here. But hopefully also Matt Duchesne, and I wanted to ask you about that, Craig. Does a player, and I know the bottom line is, is, you know, money is important. This is careers. But in your playing career, did you go a place and you're like, wow, I really fit well in this system and this system's good for me. I'm, I want to make money, but at the same time, I feel as though thriving is as important too. Yeah, and I, I think for Duchesne, I don't believe Duchesne has won a cup. I, I don't think so. You know, he was part of Colorado. They went on to win a cup when he wasn't there. And so I, I think as you get older, you know, he's he's he had a really good contract prior to coming here. Yes. Uh, actually, about three, four years ago, he had a really good contract. So his, you know, his gravy train came a few years ago. And so now I think he's playing to win a Stanley Cup. And I think that probably was part of the reason why he came here. He probably had a couple other options to go other places. And, and I don't know who they were, but he, you know, these guys, you know, as they, they get older, they, they go, you know, they look at the teams and they dissect them and say, you know, here, here's where I can go. I'm willing to go there for, you know, 3 million. I'm willing. Uh, yeah. I used to make eight, but I'm willing to go there. I mean, look at, look at Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane is making just signed yesterday or agreed yesterday. He's going to go play for the wings yep. and he's getting two, seven, five, two, seven, five. Prorated. So, yep. No bonuses. Too. And, and for only one year, yep. which really kind of surprised me, I guess, in a way, but, but again, I think that he's betting on, on himself and we'll see how he, you know, how he is coming off of the, I think it's called resurfacing of his hip and, um, things like that, but he, you know, he's going to be reunited with the guy that he has some good uh, chemistry with and in, in Chicago and in the Brinket. And maybe that's, yeah. I, I'm sure that put him with, with him to start off, you know, good for him. But, and I know Dallas was mentioned in there, um, you know, that they were looking at that, but, um, but anyway, I think for Duchesne, I think when you're at this, this time of your career, and for those guys, you know, they've, they've made some money in their career. So now it becomes, you know, that thing at the end of the road. We, we want this. I want that trophy. I want that ring. And so I think that's that's a big part of it. And 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 I think Joe is possibly in that same situation. You know, look at Pavelski. I mean, he he's had such a great career, but he hasn't won that big one. And, you know, he keeps coming back here for less. That just tells you he believes in it, too. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I, I, and I think all that credit though, goes to guys like Brad Alberts and, you know, Jim Nill and, and what they do off the ice and how they, how they are in the community, how they represent the organization and the players represent the organization. And, you know, guys come here and they're like, it doesn't take them long to go. Yeah. I want to be part of this organization. It's the way they're treated. Yeah. And that has to be part of it now. You know, the other thing is, is that the salary cap is going to get bumped up. So, you know, that, that might give you a chance to, you know, if it's Duchesne and say, listen, we can, we can come up this much this next year. And then the following year, you know, maybe there's going to be another few million that the cap comes up and, you know, we can, we can extend it to that. So who knows how they're going to do it. But I, but I would think that if this continues to go like this and they have success in the playoffs and regardless if they win a cup or not, that Matt Duchesne is probably going to look that, you know, having a really good year, um, I got some line mates and some teammates that are that are good people off the ice, and we've got a, an exciting team. And they, this team plays for the, the style that Matt Duchesne wants to play. Now, if he was going to go, 
you know, to, to Nashville or something and Nashville's trying to play a little bit more offensive, but to one of those kind of teams that, you know, maybe locks it down a little bit more that might not be in his wheelhouse. That doesn't, he doesn't enjoy playing the game as much, you know, than, than playing to what his strengths still are for him. Is also one of the draws of Dallas. And I ask you as a player, because once again, one of the reasons we love having you on spits and suds is you have this perspective. You played in Montreal where you couldn't go out to dinner with somebody not recognizing who you are. And for players, they come to Dallas, even though the stars are extremely popular. Um, the fact remains they can walk down the street and they're not getting bugged. They can actually maintain quite the normal life, plus the state income factor, no state income tax. So they actually make more money. So I wanted to ask you, as players, did you talk about that? Yeah, but you had the order wrong. <laughs> the the last may be first. <laughs> <laughs> the state tax really played a factor. Yeah, well, of course it is. I mean, I, I think for these guys now, and you know, and they, listen, I've so we talked about this kind of stuff also. Is that you know, the, a lot of these guys when they're signing now, they have some some type of a no trade, right? Some kind of a clause, whether it's a full no move or it's partial, but. From what I understand, all these guys that have these no move move clauses all have Canadian teams on them. Basically, I'm not going to go. I'll sign it, but here, this is part of my deal. I'm not going to Canada, and that's what is that about? It's not because you know the the people know you and and you're you know they they know who you are when you go out to dinner and stuff like that. It has nothing to do with that. It's because of the the dollar and the the exchange rate and the taxes and everything else. And they're like New York, living in New York, living in L.A you know, the cost of living. So, um, you know, that, that to me factors in, um, probably higher than anything else, but I, but I do think it's important that they know some guys on the team and they've got a relationship with one or two or three guys. And then, you know, and, and you kind of learn from that, then they get in and then they get here and, you know, and older guys, you know, what's the family like? What are the schools like? Dallas has got some great schools. I understand. I don't, I, that's what I hear. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's important. I think now it's probably more important now than when I played. I mean, I'm, we didn't know about schools or didn't care about schools. You know, I, I, again, I'm probably not the right guy to ask because I was just happy that I was able to play. Yeah. You know, I would have gone anywhere that they would take me. So <laughs> So, but I, I do think those things are all important, but I, I think they do their, their due diligence more now than we ever did. And there are all the things off the ice that matter just as much that's going on on the ice. And I think just the environment that they're in and, and, and again, when you're, you know, when the league is competitive and it is competitive um, this year, there's a, you know, there's a few teams that are surprisingly not playing up to their level, but that might change, but when you're competitive like that, you have to find reasons why they want to come to your organization versus somebody else. Yeah, and and I think that's why I say that. I think the stars have have done an un, incredible job, you know, making them feel like this is home even before it becomes their home. So one of the things that we've done on Spits and Suds is we want to be all inclusive. In that, I had a great email a few weeks ago and said, Gavin, you know, I, I'm trying to learn the game of hockey. And I'm a little embarrassed to say, you know, I, I, I can't ask my friends. They don't know hockey and I'm a Hispanic male. And can you teach me? And I've been working with this person. And before you joke, it's, it's working. He's learning hockey. So I know you're going to say you picked a bad person to go to. However, 
Uh, what I'm saying on this program is if you have questions, feel free to contact me and I will bring them up on the program. And these are questions that I think a lot of people have but might not feel comfortable asking. And Kyle White brings up something which I think is a really interesting topic. Can you explain the rules for face-offs? The second part of the question, Craig, why do face why do players get kicked out so frequently? And I do think this is becoming a problem in the NHL where something has to be done because I feel like every draw someone's getting kicked out. Well, they have guidelines. You know, I mean, it, it used to be where the defense, if you're in your own zone, you have the advantage of coming into the circle last. So the opposing centerman, if you're in the offensive zone, you have to have, you had to have your stick down first. And so they changed that rule. And all the rule changes that we've seen are mainly to get the goals up. You know, so now what they're doing is the defensive player in his own zone, the centerman has to have a stick down first, which gives the, you know, the other guy an advantage because the, the linesmen, they, I mean, you've seen the face-off. They kind of want to time it when they, they come together and then they want to drop the puck. But, you know, there always seems to be that, that last second that, an, that the guy that's on the offensive team <laughs> comes in and they get a little bit of an advantage. But um, so anyway, that that's that's that part. And but and then also they're trying to do it to where if you, you know, and again, if you go down and you, you – two guys fall and one of the guys puts his hand on the puck, you know, to try to pull it back between you, that's a penalty, you know, so you can't touch it with your hand with that never used to be like that. Mm -hmm. um, so all of these rules that, that come in and, and I think they get a warning and then the second one, they get kicked out. Then they put in the other centermen, which tip generally aren't the centermen, you know, it's a winger. So now all of a sudden the advantage shifts again, so that now you've got a winger that comes in, that isn't, you know, it's not his job to take faceoffs, you know. So if you break, if the Donov comes in or to take it versus White Johnson or Jamie Ben, there's an advantage to the, you know, to the other team. So they're trying to keep it as fair as possible because guys used to cheat all the time on the faceoffs. You know, they'd get leverage and you know they'd turn and they wouldn't. So they've got to stay as square as they can and they've got lines, you know, where they're supposed to respect them. Their skates have to be at a certain spot and Correct. to try to keep them even. And I, I think they've always wanted now what they're trying to do is they're trying to give the slight advantage to the centerman that comes in, you know, gets your stick down last. Um, because I think for the most part, a lot of times that guy has a bit of an edge. I mean, it'd be a better question for, it's funny. We talk about this because with our sentiment, our, on our kids teams here, you know, we, I'm the last guy to go to, I, Hey coach, can you have me like, no, dude, I can't help you with the face off. I have no idea. I have no clue. So, you know, it's a better, it's a better question. It would be somebody, you know, that that's where you bring in a Joe Pavelski or a Tyler Saban or I mean, Jamie, Ben, Jamie, Ben for me, he's just strength you know he he just outpowers guys so many times they know he's going on his backhand and he just he overpowers them so um you know and again timing and all that other kind of stuff so uh but yeah it, it's really about trying to keep it as even possible you know the advantage and you know keep the keep the face offs where there's a little bit of a scrum almost like rugby where there's a little bit of a scrum there and they can come in and dig a puck out 